Are you in a band or a person in the events industry? Do you need top-of-the-line front-of-house audio or just an extra hand setting up your concert, school function, or event? Carmen Shoulders AV Tech provides front-of-house audio, monitor engineering, small rentals, stagehand services, and more. Visit CarmenShouldersAVTech.com today for a quote or for more information. Carmen Shoulders AV Tech. Great sound, hard work, any budget. You are listening to the Trick or Treaters podcast. Listen to them, children of the night. What music they make. Horror news. What's the boogeyman? As a matter of fact, it was. Movie reviews. It's got a death curse. And all the gory details. Sid, don't you blame the movies. Movies don't create psychos. Movies make psychos more creative. Listen if you dare. <laughs> And hello, everyone, and welcome to episode two of the Trick or Treaters podcast. I'm your host, Kyle, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, JR and Maria. How's everybody doing today? Doing great. Looking forward to reviewing the movies we're going to talk about today. So, I'm doing great. It's a very interesting time in the world with uh, a lot of schools back in session this week, uh, as we're recording on Tuesday, August 25th. School started yesterday. A lot of people working virtually from home. So interesting times around America right now. I haven't uh, stayed this this much at home in a while. It's it's pretty insane. But, you know, what can you do? Well, that's one of the great things about the film we're going to review today. The the 2020 film host is because every everything about this film was done through Zoom. And most of everything that I can tell you from campus that I work at is all done through Zoom. In fact, Yesterday and today, we had a five-hour Zoom meeting where we basically created a virtual office. And this movie was a topic of conversation yesterday um, in our virtual office. That's pretty cool. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I use Zoom all the time for the library. I just did a Comic-Con for the library and everything, all the panels, everything we did it mostly was through Zoom. So it's kind of like a way of life. So this was really fitting. And I think it was... Um, very uh it was ingenious to me like i didn't know the concept until you guys told me to check it out and when i thought like i saw the subject of it i was like oh yeah perfect sense makes me a little creeped out now (laughs) (laughs) i've actually never used zoom uh so uh so besides this movie and just watching videos on youtube and uh, people using it and and hearing uh, other friends use it that's the only way i only thing i know about it today we're going to be reviewing the movie host the shutter original that was released this year on july 30th not to be confused with stephanie meyer's host this is <laughs> the zoom or <laughs> turn back now don't go <laughs> don't pass go and collect 200 <laughs> but uh before we get started we had a couple of news topics john carpenter and blumhouse have begun early development on a reboot of the thing okay i mean i wasn't <laughs> I mean, growing up, that was one of my dad's favorite movies. I don't even know why. I didn't really. I mean, it was good. So it'd be interesting to see if they do a different take on it. Um, was there anything news as far as like, uh, is it just a reboot, right? So is there a reaction yeah, of the tale? Okay. So hopefully it gets a little more, I don't know, a little more graphic. Is that even, I mean, that's worrisome to say. I want it to be more, <laughs> more scary than it with the original yeah. one. The whole concept of the thing as the joke, the pun I put out there yesterday, the thing isn't my thing. See what I did there? Uh-huh. Oh. Uh-huh. Oh, get out, JR, go. <laughs> the interesting part is that um, with the thing, it's being rebooted um, with conjunction of John Carpenter and Blumhouse, which is another project um, that they're working together since Halloween. John Carpenter was brought back with Blumhouse to do the 2018 Halloween so it's very in- interesting to see the direction they're going to go with this um, reboot of the 1982 classic, The Thing. I also wonder, just throwing it out there in the future, if I'm not mistaken, there's something called, it's called like the Trilogy, Apocalypse Trilogy, I think it was called, where The Thing in 1982, The Prince of Darkness in 1987, and in the Mouth of Madness in 1994, these are all films directed by John Carpenter, and they're kind of considered. None of them have ties together, 
but all has to do with some some sort of end of the world phenomenon. And I wonder if they could potentially remake those movies as well. You have The Thing. The second one is called um, The Prince of Darkness. And it's about the a reincarnation of the devil and then in the mouth of madness, which has to do with um, a writer. A very, very weird movies. Both of um, those two are as well as The Thing. Yeah, I just looked up. You're correct on those three. Yeah, as I try to talk, I try to make sure that I, I pulled up my research as I'm talking because I know a little yeah. bit about a lot of things. So I don't want I don't want to mislead our our listeners. Uh, of say, what the heck is that guy talking about? Especially since I'm supposed to be the resident professor. It'd be yeah. cool if they actually take the the reboot of the thing and actually try to find a way to tie in the other ones. And since it's kind of like you said, an apocalypse trilogy, but it's just like an apocalypse. But you know how like the worlds are all kind of like in the same like universe type thing. You know, that'd be interesting to do something like that. Different spin on stuff, you know? You don't always got to do a plain reboot, you know? Just try to make it original in itself. But you can still reboot something, but keep it original. Yeah, I get what you're saying. With Blumhouse doing it, it has me excited to see it just because Blumhouse did, did a great job with Halloween. And I really enjoyed quite a few of Blumhouse's recent movies. So I think it's in good hands. And also with John Carpenter being involved. On the next news segment, uh, Screen Gems is doing a reboot of the 1998 slasher Urban Legends. I don't know if any of you have ever watched that. It's a slasher I really enjoy that, that I think is kind of underrated. I don't see many people talk about it too often. It feels like I remember this. Oh, yeah, um, I do. Good. I'm just looking at the poster. Like you, when you said it, it's so you know when you haven't really thought about a movie for a while and then somebody says it, and you're like, oh, yeah, I actually do remember that movie. Go ahead, yeah. <laughs> JR. Well, with the Urban Legend, um, I remember this movie as a kid because you started looking up other urban legends. For example, well, the one that shows famously in the film is the kid who eats uh, Pop Rocks mm-hmm. um, Coke. And that was done, if I'm not mistaken, by and the reason for me, this film was kind of uh, a, kind of a big deal um, was it had the Mighty Duck kid, Joshua Jackson, the, the kid who played <laughs> Conway. He, and he was the one yes. who ate the Pop Rocks and and Coke. He also had some other stars in here. Jared Leto was in this movie. Tara Reid at the time, who was, I think that may have been right around or right before or like right after she was going to do American Pie. You had Brad Dorff played, mm-hmm. played a role in here. You also had Daniel Harris. Robert yep. England was in here. So there was there was a lot of horror names in there as well. It was just general, I would say, you know, teenage heartthrob names, for lack of a better word. Yeah. And it was it was a very underrated film. It was a good film. I think one of the biggest for me, what kind of makes this film very underrated was the horrible sequels that followed. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. They just and I shouldn't say horrible. They were just very cheesy and campy. Um, The one I specifically remember was the urban legends final cut about the film student i remember that one and then i completely i don't even know if they made more after that but i stopped yeah. after that one i made urban legends three of bloody mary oh yeah that one yeah. was i remember yeah, seeing I remember. that too that one was terrible yeah <laughs> but no it is it's a very iconic film but for me i think it's a very iconic film i think it's a great film i think it encompasses a lot of these urban legends where you know if you're driving without your taillights on the bloody mary the pop rocks i mean if you yeah. actually and they use these in the the manner of which a person killed somebody definitely excited to see what they do with it and taking a different direction let's not reuse the previous urban legends find new ones it's funny you say that because the early ideas being thrown around for right now is that it's going to be more focused on urban legends that you find on the internet Mm, so like slender man and momo and all those other weird (laughs) weird ones uh possibly uh hopefully not slender man because the slender man movie that was recently made was awful <laughs> yeah it was pretty it wasn't you could watch the actual story about the girls and be more scared than the slender man yeah movie. i remember putting that movie on because i was kind of interested in it and someone told me it was terrible but i was like ah, i'll watch it for myself 10 minutes in i already knew i hated it and then it was garbage but i had to finish it and then Same. i didn't <laughs> yeah no i remember being there like at the height of it when i was a uh, when i started as a being a teen librarian and man just the kids were so engulfed in it. and like you know as you're trying to tell them it's it's not real 
you know, this is like, you know, it's on the internet and they had these photos and they're really good doctor photos and things like that. And it was just, it's, it was cool. And also sad to see the kids get tricked by this, you know, but yeah. it was, it was cool to see how a legend, an urban legend is created. I've never seen it in real time like that until I looked at a library. And it was just really cool to see the development and just like, oh no, did you hear he can do this? And you know, you have to do this. And the, you know, if you don't go to the castle, then he can't do this in the forest. You know, I'm like, it was insane. It was like a video game that wasn't created, but they knew all the levels. <laughs> but you know, so but it was, I, I mean, I love the idea of Slenderman. I, I yeah. like those like you know mythical type of creatures that you really don't know too much of, and they kind of constantly change with their environment. Oh um, yeah. So yeah, so I was I was deeply disappointed, oh. Kyle, in that movie too. <laughs> yeah, I would love for maybe a Blumhouse come in and yes, and, and you know do Slenderman. Or, 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 you know, somebody can actually do it justice. It definitely is something that could be done. And if done right, could be, you know, scary. The last bit of news here, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is getting a reboot. It's being produced by Jade Alvarez, who did the reboot for Evil Dead and who did Don't Breathe. Originally, the directors were Andy and Ryan Tohill. But here, just I think it was yesterday, it got announced that they've left one week into production due to creative differences. And now David Blue Garcia is replacing them. It always scares me when you see people drop from projects like that. You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of like haphazardly. It's like playing hot potato with a project. And you're like, okay, so, you know, is it going to be a half idea that's already been established? Are they going to come and clean a slate? Well, apparently they're they're scrapping what's already been filmed and redoing it now. Well, I mean, hopefully, you know, he has the backing that he wants to do and has the vision for it. I don't know. Sometimes it just worries me because even when, like, you clean the slate on movies, even, like, you could see, like, big superhero movies, you know, like the bigger box office movies, when they try to pass it to another director or producer, it still kind of falls apart sometimes. So yeah. it'd, be, it'd be interesting to see if that can actually come together and, and bring out something decent. I, I mean, I would like to see it. Is it. It's like the third reboot or fourth reboot? I want to say it's like the fourth. I, I want to say four. The, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre timeline is so bad and so hard to keep up with. And because not to mention, like not even like just the timeline is messed up because you don't know what movies are reboots and what movies follow it and are canon with that reboot. They keep changing the family's name in every damn movie. <laughs> some movies they're the Sawyers, some movies they're the Hewitts, and I'm just like, stick with one and keep it there. <laughs> yeah, they need so, to do the Star Wars thing and keep everything canon. Just like either it's not canon or it's is canon. Just stick with the storyline. Okay, so from my understanding, and I'm gonna just start with the from 2003 on forward. Yeah. You had the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which I believe was a reboot, and that was one that had Jessica Biel. Yeah, 2003, then, which in my opinion is one of the best horror remakes in a while. And then you had, in 2006, you had Texas Chainsaw Massacre The Beginning, which was a prequel set four years before Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And that one was with uh, Jordana Brewster, who's famous for being uh, Vin Diesel's sister, and um, the Fast and Furious yeah. franchise was also in the faculty. From my understanding, the beginning, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the beginning is a prequel to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre reboot in t- 2003. Yeah. Yeah, it's a prequel. Some years later in 2013, you had Texas Chainsaw 3D. The worst was ever made. <laughs> which was a, this was a sequel to the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre and from, this one had Alexandria yeah. uh, Dario, I believe is how you say her name. Yeah. Uh, she yeah. was in Baywatch and she was also mm-hmm. in uh, San Andreas with The Rock. And then, and Trey Songs was also in there. And yeah. then you had another prequel, which was Leatherface that came out in 2017. Yeah, also terrible. I like yeah. the 2003 version. I was, I think you said the same thing, Kyle. Um, not only was it like my first date with my, like at that time, boyfriend who's now my husband. Yeah, so he took you to see that movie, oh, but wow. I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, like it, I was it, in high school, and it was it was a good movie. And like I I grew up watching the older ones, you know. And I was like, mm, I don't know how I feel about this, but like no, I there was a couple of jump scares that really got me, you know, at that age. And I really appreciated the the visual effects, the cinematography, the way they shot Leatherface. Like yeah. I really I really enjoyed the way they captured like the craziness of his character. Um, yeah. And I think they lost it in the other ones. Yeah, everything just looked perfect in that movie. And I even liked the beginning. I don't mind the beginning, but 
if we ever have to do Texas Chainsaw 3D, oh God, I'm going to have a do- nice long rant <laughs> on that movie. We're going to do it now just so I can hear you complain. <laughs> I hate that movie so much. <laughs> well, I think what they did with Texas Chainsaw 3D as well as Leatherface, because I remember, I know those are sticking in my head a lot. Yeah. Is I feel like they were telling this overall, like overall story that was about other characters. Um, and I'll give you an example. There was a movie, White Earp, that focuses directly on White Earp, and that has that is with Kevin Costner. And there's a different story called Tombstone that's with Kurt Russell as White Earp that is all about more more characters in the universe. I kind of feel like Texas Chainsaw 3D and Leatherface was about other was about all the characters versus the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, like the original and then the like the 2003 was more about Leatherface and that final girl. If that makes sense. That's it for the news topics today. So let's get to the meat and bones of this episode. We're doing a review on host. 2020 uh, Shutter Original. And without further ado, let's get to it. Hi. Hey. Hi, guys. Hey, Hey, Dina. Caroline. Hi, Teddy. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) Let's do a shot after us. Hey, everyone, get in. Three, two, one. Have you ever done anything like this before? I've never done this over Zoom. Obviously, we're not physically together, but there's no reason why Spirit can't communicate over the internet. Nothing's going to happen. Visualise us sitting in a circle. Spirit, we invite you to use us to pass on any communication. Is there anyone there? Please come forth. What was that? Amy, was that you? I heard it. I I heard something. I think there's something here. Did you say that? (laughs) Emma, funny. There's something. You know, we've connected with something. We gotta keep going. We gotta talk to it. I'm gonna turn the filters off. Come on. Host was directed by Rob Savage. It was written by Rob Savage, Chema Hurley, and Jed Shepard. It was released on July 30th, 2020 as a Shutter original. The interesting thing was, uh, so from the creation of this, from the idea to them distributing the movie to Shutter, it took 12 weeks. The entire movie is filmed during lockdown. So the actors actually did their own stunts and the majority of, of, of their own effects. From an interview I listened to with the director, people would go out and buy the stuff and then they would do virtual workshops over Zoom teaching the actors how to do like some of the stuff in the movie, like how that they had like stuff fly off the shelves or doors uh, slamming behind them. They taught them how to use chicken wire in order to do those effects. That's brilliant. I'm really pissed off that I didn't think about this idea. <laughs> I'm serious. When I watched it, like I, I kind of jack into watching it with me. I'm like, hey, dude, it's only like 58 minutes. Like it's a super like quick flick. And I'm like, it's, it, it shouldn't hurt that bad. He's like, all right, fine. So he's doing schoolwork and we put it on. We legit sat there and like gave it our full attention. Um, it was just clever. Like I, I give anybody like during this time, during this whole situation, a lot of people are feeling unmotivated, a little lost, you know, not knowing what to do with themselves. Um, the fact that they put something together to this degree during this period is ingenious and hats off to them for it. Like you really can't hate on this movie because who else actually it, thought of this? Nobody. What's even better is that it's, I don't know if y'all know like how this movie got started. So Rob Savage and all the other characters, uh, Gemma, Carolyn, uh, Emma, Haley, Radina, Teddy, Salen, and I believe Alan as well. 
everybody in this film, when you're watching it, you can tell that, you know, these people ha- have great chemistry together and it, it really feels like, like these people are friends. That's because they are. They're all part of a WhatsApp group together where during the pandemic, they made this group where they get together every week and, and watch a movie and do quizzes together. And like most of them are all friends through life and most of them have done other movies together and stuff. So like Rob Savage, he decided to play a prank one day on them. He told them that he was hearing stuff in his attic. And so like, they all stayed on the Zoom call with him and everything. And so then he goes and investigates and he's, you know, he's carrying his, his, uh, I, I, I think he did it on his phone or, or his laptop. I can't remember. I, th- I think it was his phone. And so, you know, he's doing this and he, he, he pulls down his, uh, the stairs, his attic and climbs up there. Well, when he gets up there, he already had it set on his, on the Zoom call. Uh, he took a pre-recorded part of the movie Wreck to where, to where, to where uh, there's a part in the movie where uh, the, the, uh, I, I can't remember exactly what happened, but uh, the, uh, the camera like zooms around to this dark thing, and this this little like like demon like goblin thing or zombie uh, jumps at the screen. He had that pre-recorded, so when he got in the attic and he moved his phone around, that popped up on the screen. And then he, and then, and then, uh, and then all they saw was him fall off the ladder. And so, like, they all like were, were actually thought that that legit happened. And then he was, you know, he laughed and showed him it was a prank. Well, he posted that on on Twitter, and Shutter uh, saw it and thought it was was, was great and told him that they had liked to do that as a movie. During the interview I was listening to him, he said not only did Shudder was really great with helping them uh, get this movie together, uh, Zoom themselves actually help them film the movie as well and help them to up the quality on their video recordings so that everything would look good for the movie. But I thought it was great that like they all did their own thing and they're all actual friends in real life and everything. I thought that was just, that was great. It really made me like uh, appreciate the movie more than I already did after watching it. So you're telling me if, well, um, go ahead, go ahead. (laughs) No, I would just say like, I mean, let's think about this for a minute. They had the idea it's kind of start off from a prank, but in around April or May of this year, 2020, these individuals or most of us were at home. For example, me, we're like, I'm home. I'm stuck here. I got it. I don't know how I'm going to do work and I don't know what I'm going to figure out my life. I got nothing to do. I'm bored. I'm stuck. As most people are in, in it's completely understandable. These individuals said, Hey, I got this idea for this film because of our current situation. And they wrote out a script and put together a film that's 55, 58 minutes long. And so when they started doing that filming, like in April, in, I think it was April or March when they began the filming of the of this. And to put this together, where most of us were just freaking out at home because of this pandemic, they put together a 55, 58-minute film from beginning to end. And if you kind of compare it to what they call, like, you know, found footage-type films, such as Paranormal Activity or Blair Witch Project, from beginning to end, this film was no nonsense. Um, I think every single second, every single minute they made count. And for me, is one of the best films, best horror films I've seen in quite a long time, especially if you're looking from that genre of like the found footage of like a paranormal activity. And this is one, you know, I was looking at the Rotten Tomatoes information. And most of the time, I don't agree with with the tomato reviews and the reason why is I feel like I like what I like and what the audience, you know, yeah. as an audience member. Um, and I'll give you an example. The audience has a, a lot higher score for like a movie that I just looked up quickly out of nowhere. Like the Goonies, for example, the audience scores it at 91, but Rod Tomatoes has a 75. And like Rod Tomatoes reviews don't know what they're talking about. This film is on the opposite where I'm like, they know what they're talking about and some some of the audience members don't appreciate it. Rod Tom- right out of 57 reviews, Rod Tomato Meter is at 100%. Yeah. And the audience score is at 76. And I'm, I'm really thinking the audience, some of these individuals who may have scored low, they need to go back and kind of check it because when you take everything to account from the fact is that they were in a pandemic, they were socially distanced where they weren't with each other, the director had to teach them the special effects and as we get to the film and we'll talk about some of those effects this is uh, this should be considered a masterpiece in 20 to 30 years from now another great thing and this is another thing that i learned that i didn't know about that made me appreciate it even more 
so a majority of the actors filmed their own death scenes or I believe uh, I believe they all did or or they had helped. The actors only knew their own death scenes. They only they only knew how they were going to die. They didn't know how their friends were going to die. So when you're watching the movie and one of their friends gets killed, that's their genuine reaction. That's cool. I really like that. I like the fact that they kept it from them. So like while they're in character freaking out, they see, yeah. you know, every screen flickering off or things like that. But um, yeah, no, that's just just the whole premise. Like, like even just that, like how how ingenious was that keeping it from each other? Because you're yeah. already like stuck, you know, secluded from other people. And what I wanted to say at the beginning was that you guys said that they started filming this when, like in March, April or May, around there. I'm not sure when they started. I know just from what I read, they said that when they had the idea for the film to when it premiered on Shudder, it took 12 weeks. Yeah, because I, I found it when I was looking at it, the parts that they referred, they never really refer to what's going on in the world, like the pandemic. But in the beginning and the end, that's the only time uh, Gemma, Gemma has the mask on. She has the mask on right in the beginning. And yeah. it was almost to the point where like maybe they started filming and didn't know how bad the world was going to get. You know what I mean? And they went back and they added those because you only see the mask on in the beginning and then when she runs to her friend's house. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that I was wondering kind of no, like it, in a time period. While the UK was under lockdown, like this whole movie was filmed in the UK. Oh yeah, but they had like different levels of lockdown. They had yeah. like, tra- they like, you know, trailed ours. Like it wasn't as bad as we were in the beginning. So I wonder how far along did it get harder you know because if they had any help or they could go to the stores or they couldn't go to the stores i wonder how if it became more difficult as they were shooting yeah. it like how it actually you know impacted it'd be very interesting to actually hear them talk more about that aspect because i just find this whole premise of this movie and like like you said it has to look be looked back on as like a masterpiece because yeah it really took advantage of the only way people were really talking to each other it was using you know facetime or whatever type of like google hangouts but it was, I don't know, I really i really did not expect to walk away loving this movie so much, but it is definitely something I can just put on and just enjoy it again. Um, the so actor. I'm just looking up some information real quick. Um, this is off of an article from Deadline. Uh-huh. And one thing is that the director, Savage, has said, he goes, when lockdown began, I spent weeks binging everything on Shudder. So to find myself premiering a new film on the platform of only a few months later is incredible. Um and the film, the short film he, that he shot that inspired this movie was shot at the beginning of lockdown. Yeah. So essentially, if if you look at the beginning of lockdown, we, you know, for me in California, we basically locked down on March 17th was our beginning of our lockdown, like where everything was fully shut down. Europe was a little bit before us. So for, let's say it was at the beginning of March. The timeline seems about right where they shot this in, around mid to late April. And then it debuted on July 30th on uh, Shutter. Yeah, so they probably had like minimal access to things too. The interview I listened to, uh, it was with Gemma. She did go through a lot of the stuff and filming it. And she did say like during certain things where, where there was multiple people there, what they had to do was like they were in like full PPE. And like once they got done with whatever they were going to do and then they, it was time to film that scene, those people had to run out of the room and, and be out of the building. That's crazy. That's so cool, though. Yeah, especially with uh, Gemma, because apparently uh, I can't remember who it is. Uh, she she has a family member who was at a high risk, so she was extremely protective and made sure that that she did everything correct during this filming as well. Another thing that was cool, they actually held a real seance to get ready for the film. No. <laughs> Why? I know, right? <laughs> Come on, man. I have so many feelings about that seance that I'm like, first off, internet is shady anywhere. Like, come on. Like, anybody knows in a seance movie, you don't break the circle. The internet is going to break your mind. So you think it's not going to break the circle? Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't pay me to do a seance. There's some things I believe in. You don't, you don't, you don't tempt fate. You don't mess with Ouija boards. You don't, you don't mess with. You know, uh, do seances or do any of those per circles because <laughs> those are some powers you don't want to mess with. So pretty much the premise of the movie for those listening who haven't watched it, ho- hopefully you watch it before before you listen to this or else spoiler alert. The whole movie is a group of, of six friends who do weekly Zoom calls in order to stay in touch d- during the pandemic. Uh, and for this week, uh, Haley 
has decided to hire a medium uh, named Salen to lead them in a seance. It doesn't really go back to this. So this was like kind of one of my cons of the movie. It seemed like there's something going on in Haley's house before the seance even happened, right? It kind of, I don't know if it was setting you up just to kind of big eater, like give you that kind of fear feeling, you know, set you a little bit on guard. Um, yeah. But that's how I kind of felt too. Like, and then you already kind of feel the strain relationship between Haley and Gemma, you yeah. know? So like you could kind of see a foreshadow. Yeah. Of something that's going to happen. So I liked how that kind of set that up. But yeah, I totally thought something was like something was creepy going on in her house to begin with. Um, which yeah. is, and then like, I don't know if it was just how it, you kind of get the sense it wasn't going on that long, but it was kind of bright outside when they first started this. And then it got super dark by the time, you know, like <laughs> the end of the movie was. So I kind of felt like there was a little bit, I don't know, ever supposed to just, you know, play on the imagination and stretch it a little bit. Um, yeah. Because I was like, oh, I wouldn't be that scared if it was a seance at like, you know, noon on a Saturday, maybe. I don't know. Maybe I would be a little bit. But yeah. Uh, no, yeah, I totally I totally got that when the the noise that either came from her closet with the vacuum, was it, that opened up or made a noise? I think so, yeah. Yeah, I really thought there was something going on, like it was a precursor of what was supposed to happen. You know, you just see Haley filming and there's already stuff happening. I'm like, well, shit, she's already got stuff happening in her house and they hadn't even started. So everybody's getting on, and, and uh, Teddy, he ends up leaving the chat because uh, his girlfriend, uh, Jeannie, keeps interrupting the chat. So he ends up leaving. Maybe he should have stayed gone. <laughs> well, I don't know. I think, so I have different feelings about, like, you kind of already brought the part. So Salem comes in, when she's doing the Paris, like the whole, in the beginning of the seance, and they're talking about, like, you know, and trying to get her to say, say what is an astral plane. You know, yeah. like, and they take a shot. You know what I mean? So they do that part too. Um, yeah. But they, she literally just said, don't break the circle. And then Teddy dips. Yeah. And I'm just like, okay, first off, that was ignorant. Second of all, it's like, I don't know if that was what it was, if it was Teddy or if it was when Gemma started on her story or was it the light that you could kind of see hit Salen's camera before she loses the internet? Like, I don't know exactly where it originated. And I'm all, I, I went back and I watched it again. And I'm trying to yeah. figure out what you guys think on that. Like, what do you think actually was a Teddy? Was it Gemma's story? Or was it something that actually came through Salem first? Like, was she the actual genuine door to that? Because she was the only one that was really invested as the medium for the group. You know, um, I don't know. I kind of like I'm kind of going back and forth on those three. I'll get into that here in a minute uh, on like what actually I, I think caused it. After Teddy- well, I think the first thing with, with the whole situation with Teddy and his significant other, I just was, it was a very weird because I'm assuming you would organize a seance and Teddy would have a conversation with his significant other saying, hey, we're going to do this. And all of a sudden, three minutes into it, he's like, oh, I got to go. I'm sorry. Bye. And it was just very, it was a weird situation because I think as this movie progresses, definitely from the time that Gemma tells your story, Gemma and Haley are the stars of the movie and everyone else is just, you know, is just cannon fodder for what will eventually to come to the end of the film. Yeah. And so I, it was for me, I was wondering what was the whole purpose of Teddy being there um, at the end of the film? I forgot to touch up on this uh, before Teddy left. So like whenever they're all in the chat, the the medium, uh, it, it told them, to each bring their own their own kind of object and teddy's object was a music box that he said his brother would hide around the house from him and scare him so i don't know if y'all call this there's a little foreshadowing moment in this when teddy's holding up the, the music box and he's letting it play he blows his his vape and smoke goes around it mm, i didn't catch that yeah i think it was a little bit of a foreshadowing of how he was going to die well, like, I, I believe in the whole thing where, like, people ha- people carry things with them. And I don't know yeah. if we didn't know that, like, Haley was carrying something before this all happened. But regardless, the reason why I think Teddy came back in is because he was connected already. He had to. I think something made him come back into the Zoom call. He was already connected from the moment he went on to it. And that's why I feel like yeah. he ended up back on it. And then, you know, inevitably. So after Teddy leaves, 
this is like the first like 20 minutes, the, the first like 20 or so minutes of the movie, you're pretty much just getting introduced to the characters and, and all these characters, uh, I actually like really liked every character. Uh, I didn't think any of them was just kind of like, you know how in some movies you'll, it seems like there's just people there just to be there and you don't really have any kind of connection to them. It, it really seemed like all these characters were genuine. It, it seems Haley's the only one to be really into this. And even the medium Salen, she has a little moment where she hears something and then she remembers that she just ordered pe- that she ordered pizza and it was her pizza at the door. And so you know, that kind of calls everybody to kind of laugh. Yeah, which is like, come on, <laughs> you, you made an appointment with people, <laughs> you know, like you should have had no interruptions. Get your pizza and maybe like have it on the side while everybody's doing their astral plane projection thing and just eat it like i was so mad like you said that to break the circle but then she just did it too like there was a lot of things that like i guess that part kind of like aggravated me a little bit because i'm just like it's just setting up for a disaster which is probably the point of the whole movie was watching the train wreck which was going to happen but yeah is it bad that i kind of wanted to see something to happen to the medium like that's what i was gonna say too later on nothing happened to the medium that we know of and i'm wondering if if that was done on purpose because uh, in some of the interviews I've listened to, they're saying that there's possibility if there's enough good reception, enough people want it, there may be a sequel. Yeah, I don't see how they don't do a sequel. I mean, with with how much fanfare um, this film got, the ratings, and then in addition to that, I mean, honestly, how much could this film cost to make? I mean, if this thing costs more than, you know, than the actor's wages, which I can't imagine being that high, you know, I'm going to be shocked. I know they said paranormal activity costs like 16 grand. If this thing costs more than five grand, it would, I would be astonished. Yeah. It definitely was funny, though, when she did get that pizza delivery or a food delivery, because the first thing I thought about, isn't that like rule three of a seance? Don't eat while you're summoning ghosts. I'm not sure. I, I've never done a seance, so, <laughs> but I would say so, maybe. Wait, there's one about eating? Yeah, you don't eat when you summon ghosts. I mean, I eat during almost like everything that I do on a Zoom call or like <laughs> on technology. Surprised I'm not eating something right now. Like, <laughs> but no, I, I didn't know that. Like, where did where did that come from? Is that like, from a movie or something, or is it just like common knowledge that I laugh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, everybody knows you'll eat during a seance. Whatever. Ghost, and you you need to keep your you gotta get focused on the spirits <laughs> to make sure that you're bringing in the you know. You know, good ghosts. You you want you want like Casper. You don't want like Baboon. I want Slimer. Okay, I want Slimer to come and yeah. talk to me. So I'm gonna eat. I eat when I get nervous. <laughs> <laughs> so after this, the medium gets her pizza, and they continue the seance. And you can tell from the very beginning, Gemma's not really taking this seriously, and she seems to be the only one. But the other ones seem to be into it. But but Haley's the one who's really really into it and wanting something to happen. So at some point, uh, Gemma starts saying that she's experiencing something strange. So during the seance, Gemma claims to have made contact with a friend who committed suicide named Jack. And then she starts talking about the stuff she's experiencing and she's like freaking out. And Salen ends up dropping out of the call. We're not sure really what caused this. If it was, you know, the spirit causing her to drop connection or, or she just, you know, if this is just her losing internet connection or something, but after she drops out of the call, Gemma starts laughing and admits that she made it up, that it was fake. After she admits that it was fake, everyone else starts experiencing some stuff. Is, is Haley's chair pulled first? I believe it was. I feel like, I feel like Haley was the first one who started experiencing a lot of the supernatural activities. And, and one of the things you said, Going back to what Mia said earlier, potentially what caused the the situation, I like to. I'm of the opinion that um, our, our how do you say her name? Sayan, our our Sayan leader, Sayan, yeah, yeah, that she is the you know the basically the entry to to the supernatural that brought in the spirit and that Gemma pissed them off, which caused this movie to go the, the direction it did. Yeah. So after Gemma had let everybody know that it was fake and then her and Haley kind of got into it about her not taking it seriously, Gemma blew out her candle and then some of them go get another drink or some of them use the bathroom real quick and then they get back in there and then they relight the candle. Did y'all notice that Gemma wasn't having anything happen to her 
until she left her apartment. Do you think that she severed the connection? And if she wouldn't have left, she would be fine? Potentially. I don't know. Like, if you want to play, like, devil's advocate when it comes to movies like this, and if you want to say evil spirits know what they're doing, I would always say the troublemaker for last. (laughs) You know, like, if I was an evil spirit and you summoned me and you made me mad, I'm going to leave Gemma for last. You know what I mean? So, like, I don't... I said the same thing. I think the exact same thing. Yeah, yeah, like I don't necessarily, I don't necessarily think like she would have gotten out of it. Just like how I think, like no matter what, Teddy was supposed to come back in. Um, so I just think she was supposed to see what she caused because that was supposed to give you the most fear. This is your fault. This is why you should have listened. You're an idiot for not listening. Like I had words next to Gemma's name, like for my notes, and I'm not gonna say them on air, but I had notes for her. Okay, I was like, never trust a person named Gemma. on a zoom call you know like but it's true though like you know if you go if i was making a movie in the sense and i was like i said evil spirit i would want to make sure you understood this was your fault so you see what you caused and then you're the last one to go no one's there to comfort you no one's there you know to console you this is your fault you know and i think that's the most primal fear is being alone with your guilt and that's what Gemma had at the end i mean she was lucky she kind of had Haley there but I mean I don't know man it just it was it's all Gemma's fault <laughs> but Caroline can I talk about Caroline for like two seconds sure that, that girl did not want to be there she was oh, yeah, you so can... scared and I felt like if anybody should have maybe survived it or came to or got knocked out maybe the demon's like oh I got this one but she wasn't dead it should have been her and you know and maybe the other girl the one with her the one that did the loop what was her name I, th- I, th- I think that was Emma no, no, that was Carolyn. Was that Caroline? Yeah. No, because Emma was the one I thought that saw Teddy die on screen at the end. It's either one of them. It's Emma, yeah. Emma was the one who had her glass break. Okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah, because, well, both of them together, actually. Like, they, they weren't trying to play games. They were actually, you know, trying to do what they were supposed to be doing. And I felt like, man, they were like the innocent bystanders, you would say, in a horror movie. They were yeah. kind of there by association, so they were guilty by that association. But I felt really, really bad for Caroline because, yeah, if, if that's the right one I'm thinking about, she's the one that went up to the attic. Man, but the fear she had doing that, I would have stood in that room. I'm, I'm sorry. If you're going to come kill me, kill me in my room. I'm not going up to no attic. You can't, <laughs> you can't make me move from one spot. I'm done. <laughs> like after that happens and Haley's chair gets pulled, which I really like this scene because they all get back after having a laugh and, you know, giving Jim a shit for making it up and not taking it seriously. And then just out of nowhere, Haley's chair just gets pulled. Immediately, that's when you know, all right, shit's about to go down. Emma's glass breaks. And then Carolyn hears noises from her attic. And then she goes and investigates it. Like I watched this movie three times and it wasn't until the second time I watched it that I actually caught this. When Carolyn goes up to the attic and she's, you know, investigating and showing the attic. I didn't even catch the first time I watched it. The feet that were hanging. Yeah. What's great is like, so after that, Haley ends up getting a call back, getting a call from Salen. She ends up telling her everything that happened, that Gemma made up Jack. And Salem informs them that Gemma's prank could have actually summoned a demonic spirit that is taking on the mask of, of Jack, which uh, makes a lot of sense because Carolyn seeing the feet in the attic, that's the, the, the demon pretending to be you know, Jack because she said Jack hung himself. So he's literally pretending to be this made up spirit. So after uh, Salen informs them that, you know, the prank can have summoned a demonic spirit, she begins to give them instructions on how to actually close the seance. This causes more stuff to happen, and Salen's call drops out again. And if I'm not mistaken, that's the last time we hear of Salen, right? Yeah, her whatever aura or presence she has that protects her was like, no, nah, you got to dip. That's it. No more going back to that Zoom call for you. Yeah, like, yeah, like she drops out, and then that's it. Well, we don't ever hear from her again which is you know we don't know what happened to her if she if if she got killed later on off screen or or what happened there no i'm of i'm of the opinion that she is safe the main reason is is that she had really nothing to do with this and this is a situation where it's like hey you may be a part of this world but you opened the door but you weren't the one who messed and did what Gemma did so especially if you look i think you know, sometimes directors think like, what happens if this movie takes off? You know, could there be a sequel? 
So I think it's I think her role is, was very important in the small role she played, but also in the grand scheme of things, whatever direction they go to in the future, um, I think we'll see her again. Yeah, I agree. If they make a sequel, I'm assuming Salem's going to come back. I'm trying to remember Carolyn. She's the one with the background, right? No, I want I want to say that's because like, I, when I wrote it down based off the I just took the screenshot of the Zoom thing. Yeah, it was Emma. Like I, I, I'm pretty sure. Like everybody, correct us if we're wrong. Um, but Emma was the last to go when she saw Teddy. So Caroline was the one to get attic. Emma was the one with the replay. Uh, Radina's had the boyfriend. Yeah, which one had? I it would be. It would be Emma because she was the one underneath the sheets at the end. Yeah, I think this was Emma because this is the part where Emma she's doing her face filters and then that face filter pops up in midair. No, I thought that was Radina in her in her apartment. Radina's the one whose boyfriend flies from the ceiling. But was it? Didn't he? Didn't he fall when he? She touched like the air where the face was at, or am I? I no. gotta watch it. I gotta watch it again. God. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm getting mixed up here. I mean, but basically, guys, you can tell that we really like this movie. So. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure, one hundred percent. Emma had the Instagram filters and. Mm-hmm. Yes. It was throughout the whole thing. Caroline was, I believe she was the first to go. If I'm not mistaken, her death was via head smash, right? Yeah, but I believe that was Carolyn. Yes. Was the one who got killed by the head smash. So that's when, after uh, Salen's call drops out, then the spirit starts picking them off one by one. So Caroline, Carolyn was the first one and where she's walk, pacing back and forth, if I'm not mistaken, continues pacing back and forth. And then... Yeah, we see the, these jump cuts where her head she's getting beat up against the basically the computer screen, and then it, it kind of freezes, and then the spirit is now going after Redina as well as her boyfriend Alan. Yeah, and as this whole situation is going on, is we continue to see the relationship between Gemma and Haley continue to deteriorate, saying that Gemma's ba- Gemma's Haley because this was Haley's idea and Haley's blaming Gemma because Gemma made up the story. And actually, as, as it's happening, shortly after Redina gets, is Redina and her boyfriend is uh, killed, Haley's pulled off screen by the ghost. She's dragged out of the room and the door shuts. Yeah. Gemma then immediately leaves her house to go check on Haley. On, on Haley. And when that happens, Emma's the only one left on screen. So to a certain extent, Teddy then jumps back on yeah. and trying to figure out what's going on. And we see a situation where Emma's telling Teddy, hey, get out of the house, get out of the house. And then all of a sudden, the spirit grabs Teddy's girlfriend, who is Jeannie. Probably. Yeah, Jeannie. Mm-hmm. And this is this right here, for me, was insane. Yeah. That these individuals did their own special effects, their own stunts, that the spirit drags Jeannie out of the house is probably about... It looks like 10 feet above a swimming pool and the spirit, the way it looks like is a spirit basically, you know, breaks Jenny's neck and then her body falls, her life's body falls into the pool. Yeah. That, in my opinion, was completely the most insane thing I've ever seen considering the environment and circumstances surrounding this film. Definitely Teddy's parts were like Teddy and his house and her were probably my favorite parts knowing that they were like under quarantine because, you know, the fire with him. And like you said, the way she just like went so limp when her body hit the pool, (laughs) you know, it was just an insane shot and it happened so quickly. Like it it just, everything was happening so quickly at that point, advancing with the story. It was insane. But yeah, like you said, Jared, it was just, that was probably one of those really standout parts of that movie. It's, it's so vivid for, for me, this part of the film if I don't remember anything else about this film 10, 15 years from now, I'm going to remember the sequence between Teddy and Ginny and the way that they end up being killed off in this film with Ginny being above the pool falling in. Then Teddy is knocked unconscious and then essentially burned alive. And then from there, that leaves Emma. And we still don't know at this point, the situation revolved around Gemma and Haley. And then we see Emma... Uh, is then the way that she was re- killed off, she was thrown off the balcony onto her yeah. backyard table, which is another, that's, you know, that whole sequence from towards the end of the film, 
beginning with Teddy, Jenny, Emma being thrown off the balcony onto her backyard table. I mean, I, I don't, I feel like I've seen million dollar pictures that have worse special effects. <laughs> I, I can't, I mean, I can't put over how great that these, these actors, because they weren't just actors, they were actors, they were stuntmen, they were, they were special effects artists. And, you know, and for the fact is that was another, that was another big part of the film as we're getting towards the final few minutes of, of this movie is how Emma is then thrown off the balcony into a backyard table. And then Kyle, after that part, now we're left with Gemma and Haley. Gemma uh, ends up making it to Haley's home, but she's attacked by the spirit while other uh, supernatural stuff is happening around her. She ends up managing to find Haley only for the spirit to attack both of them. And as the spirit attacks both of them, the Zoom call timer expires. And they, didn't get the, they didn't get the extra extension. Dang it, Zoom. You're supposed to give them the extra 40 minutes. That was another thing I really liked about this was I want to say when, when Teddy logged back in, it said 10 minutes remaining. And this was literally the final 10 minutes of the film. The only really like con I really have about this movie that I didn't really care for was the ending where after you know the demon attacks both of them and the Zoom call is expiring and we're just like looking at the screen and then the, the demon thing jumps at the screen. I, I kind of wish they would have just kept that out of there. I would rather just never have seen it, just had like an invisible spirit. Yeah, I mean, for me, if I had a bad part of the film or a part that could potentially would have been a better ending is as we get through that that whole segment where Gemma and Haley are now no longer in the living room, but kind of in the back part of this apartment condominium type area. And Haley has this Polaroid and continues snapping shots and snapping shots. Yeah. Like, I'm pretty sure we know what's coming. And then you get a jump scare. Yeah. I think probably there would have been maybe a better way to end the film. A situation where maybe... Everything goes dark, you hear a scream, and then you maybe see, like, police report April 28, 2020, two female bodies found in the upstairs apartment in Manchester, England, or something like that. Yeah. One of my favorite things about this was I loved when they're trying to get Dina's uh, attention, and she's got her, her thing muted, and they keep yelling for her, and then her stove turns on, and then she's messing with that. And then they're yelling for her on the Zoom call, and she's muted. And all of a sudden, she turns around and goes to the screen and unmutes and says, what? And then her boyfriend just drops from the ceiling. Dead dump? I'm like, dude. I was like, yeah. oh my God. And, and then she, she didn't even bother checking on him. She booked it, got to the door, and then drugged back. And then that was the end of, of Redina. Wait, to be fair, right there in that one part, when she's having a tit for tat with him, honestly, the guy was just cooking. Like, you yeah. literally told him to go to the room when you could have done the same thing, because I, I assume she was on a laptop that had Wi-Fi. So she could have just gone to the room, but she goes over here and gives this guy, you know, crap for cooking, and then doesn't even think twice about him during this whole situation. The first thing I would have done, I would have been screaming for him. The minute something happened, she waits until series of things happens before she even realizes, oh, what happened to my, I don't know, ex-boyfriend? I don't know if they were, like, still together or trying to work it out. They kind of like briefly mentioned it that they moved in too fast and then the pandemic hit. So yeah. like it was kind of weird. But like, man, I felt I felt for the guy. Like he he didn't deserve none of that. <laughs> he just he could at least died on a full stomach, but the poor guy didn't even get a chance to eat. Another interesting thing that I, I thought was great. Okay, so Teddy, when he gets attacked, he gets you know knocked unconscious and then he gets set on fire. Here's the reason why he got set on fire. He's actually trained in pyro, so he did that stunt himself. That's cool. That's that's a lot of trust in yourself at that moment. I'm pretty sure he might have had another person there. You know what I mean? But like, yeah. I'm that's sure he cool. did. Yeah, but that but, is totally cool. But it's cool that you know he's trained in pyro. So like, okay, cool. Teddy will set himself on fire then. <laughs> I'm a professor, and I don't even trust myself to teach myself. So I could not imagine <laughs> be like, oh, I'm gonna set myself on fire. I mean, especially, you know, when you think of how, as they always say, how unpredictable fire is. Fire is not, fire doesn't discriminate. Fire doesn't, you know, it's yeah. not anything that it can do whatever it pleases. And you and I, Kyle, I'm not sure if you have seen it, uh, Maria, 
but seeing the Kane Hodder documentary on Shutter, yeah, that he was one of the best fire pyro stuntmen there was, and he just made one simple mistake and it caused massive burn all over his body, and that he caused you know, months of recuperation that could have killed him, and that that is a risk that is especially right now during you know during this pandemic and it was worse back in april i cannot imagine having to take that risk no no fire is so unpredictable i'm sorry i saw james from metallica get lit up on fire (laughs) you know and like that was when you have a spot to stand and he overshot the spot and the power went off at you know too soon but like when he got when he was hurt in that concert i was like nope I'm okay. I don't. I don't need. If I ever became like a superstar or whatever, I didn't want a pyro. I'd make sure it's so far away from me. So, uh, what I was saying earlier was how there was kind of foreshadowed moments. So, whenever Teddy got attacked and he's not unconscious before he when he hits the ground, the music box is laying on the ground playing right before he's set on fire by the spirit. Which and it's funny because at the start of the movie. He, you know, is showing everyone the music box and he ends up uh, blowing the vape at it and smoke goes around it, kind of foreshadowing his death. And then Carolyn, she showed everyone at the start of the movie her Zoom background where it's a virtual background of her walking into the room. And so, like, she can have that in the background, then she can be on the screen. And so you could you see two of them. Well, her Zoom background, you know, played into her death as well. I don't know if y'all caught this. There's a part in the movie where Carolyn, I think that she's just gone, that she went to go do something else for a minute. And you just see her Zoom background playing. And and all of a sudden, you see the first little second of her head smashing on the chat. A chat log pops up, and it has Carolyn, and it just has a bunch of like gibberish. The first time I was, what? I was like, well, I wonder what that's about. And then you realize that was her head smashing the keyboard. Yeah, I caught that. And then, you know, Gemma told them that she had a friend named Jack who hung himself. And so since that was fake, the spirit took the mask of them. When they went to the attic to investigate, you know, you see the pair of legs hanging that only they can see. And then when Haley's taking the photos with with the Polaroid, one of them shows a person hanging. He, He really did mask himself as this fake spirit. What's interesting about that is the directors, for some reason, they couldn't mention it in the movie. I guess they wanted to keep this part out of the movie, but they based this off of the supernatural urban legend of a tulpa, which is a spirit or demon that people create by pretty much making it up and enough people thinking about it gives it its power for it to come true. It's sad that I know that. (laughs) (laughs) That's the curse of being a librarian, liking supernatural stuff. I was like, oh, I like that. Yeah, that's what they based the monster off of. But that's used in a lot of different movies, too. The manifestation of yeah. fear, you know what I mean? And it accelerates and it gives it power. And that's, you know, especially a lot of exorcism movies, you always see that where you don't give it power. It's not really there. And I'm just like, oh, it's there. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are all wrong. <laughs> but uh, that was the movie. How'd everybody think? Do we get to rate it with something? Are we doing pumpkins or candy corn? <laughs> I, I was going to do seance candles. Ooh. <laughs> okay. So I'll give it four lit candles. <laughs> I'm going to make my list. Um, yeah. yeah, no, um, I, I think the only miss that I have is probably I didn't want to see the monster at the end. So I'm on board with you guys when it comes to that. I kind of just rather have the little glimpses you kind of saw of what was going on, like the little the, the small quick shadows and the quick kind of scary faces you saw. I would have been fine with that besides the what would have been if it was in theaters, the 3D jump scare. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so I definitely would have probably been okay without that. I think the movie could have gone just a little longer, maybe, maybe 15, 20 minutes, not too much longer, just a couple more minutes. So maybe we got a little bit more of a backstory in the beginning, just to kind of see where everybody's at. Like I said, I feel like there was some tension between Haley and Gemma that I kind of would have liked to explore. Or maybe she could have been, even the thought of, we thought that Haley's apartment was haunted. So maybe this is the reason why they were having the seance. You know, just a little bit more of a backstory on it. So that if there's a second movie, 
where Haley lived? Was there a death there? Was there some sort of tragedy there? Did she live in a haunted, you know, area or apartment area that people claim to be haunted? This is the reason why the seance was initiated to begin with. So it kind of would have set up more for a second, but they could still do that. So only reason yeah. I give it four instead of giving it out of five. Are we doing out of five? <laughs> yeah, yeah, out of five. Yeah, I'll give it a four, but it's a solid four. I definitely rewatch for me and probably one of my favorites now. Uh, for a quick movie to go to that kind of gives you the little creeps that you want when you want watch a scary movie. But I really enjoyed it. So I'm really glad you guys uh, picked this one for the first movie. I completely agree with what you said and your rating. At same con as you, I wish they wouldn't have shown the actual demon. I thought one of the best parts about this movie was that it was only 57 minutes long. So this is literally a movie that if you have an hour to kill, boom, there you go. You can put it on. Felt like the pacing was great. It didn't drag on. That's what the problem is with some of these movies. Like some movies like try and be like 90 minutes. And most of the time it just feels like it drags on. And I feel like this movie being 57 minute long, it's, it's just perfect in that aspect. I'm not sure if they added another 15, 20 minutes. I feel like this would I honestly feel like it would kind of take away the magic. I think that, I feel like the 57 minute mark is the magic of the movie is that it's so short. It's just something you can just put on and immediately get through. But uh, like what you said, I wish they would have also had a little more backstory and especially like part with Haley's apartment because there was clearly something going on there at the beginning before there was even a seance. Yeah, I just want to say real quick, the only reason the time thing is because of the background, like I was saying, but it yeah. definitely had to be 58 minutes or like 57, 59 minutes because it played on the Zoom call thing. So I, I definitely see why they kept it at that time period, because you can actually see the time clock throughout the whole movie. So I get why they did that. Um, I'm just I'm just a little stickler for a little bit of backstory. I love backstories as, yeah, being a librarian. Yeah. So sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. Overall, this was wonderful. Probably one of my favorites I've seen on Shudder. Definitely one I'm going to revisit quite a few times, and I want to watch her for, with friends. I will say this. If there's anyone listening who hasn't watched it yet, I don't know why you'd listen to the review before you watch the movie, but, you know, it's whatever. Watch this movie on a laptop with headphones in. It, it completely adds to everything to it. It honestly makes you sort of feel like you're on the Zoom call with them. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Kyle is a madman. I think if you don't want to be scared, you don't want to be scared crazy. You got to, uh, you know, watch on your normal TV. But if you want to, you know, get even more scared, you definitely got to uh, watch on your laptop with headphones. Which is, and that's not just from us. I, I've seen countless reviews who said the similar something to that similar effect. I think for me, I definitely would also give it. Um, I'm kind of torn because I really want to give it a five because of the you know, the situation surrounding the film, but, you know, to really get a five is going to be, you know, I don't want to give out too many fives as we go through this whole process. Um, I definitely do think that there's some things that could have been a little bit better. I think they may have been able to trim certain parts, but then I think you would lose character. So for example, if maybe we gave a five minute backstory, like, why are we doing this? Like if Gemma and Haley are, you know, arguing in the beginning, why are we doing this? And, you know, they just had like a back and forth exchange that could have added. But then you would have to probably take away like, you know, Teddy and his girlfriend, you know, that part of it to bring in a smaller, quick backstory to stay within that one hour time frame. So but this movie, I mean, for all intents and purposes, with all the surroundings, as I mentioned throughout the course of this review, is pretty, pretty flawless. I mean. You couldn't ask for anything better, especially right now. Absolutely wonderful movie. Nothing in this movie is groundbreaking and original. Like most everything they did in this movie has been done in other movies multiple times before. But I just think just the way it was executed was was just perfect. And I feel like the, the length of the movie plays into it a lot. But there's just something about it. I don't know. I can't really pinpoint it. It's like I've seen other movies like this that I, I didn't like. But there's just something about this one that just was really good. And this is definitely one that I'd highly recommend. I was just going to chime in and say that it's like lightning in the bottle. They had It was the perfect timing for the movie, the perfect like uh, just originality and what kind of like technology they use and how it's so like, you know, prevalent what we're doing in society. I hope things don't go backwards. But if things do progressively, you'll get worse right now. Everybody just hang in there if it does, but uh, they take advantage of that time period. I'm not sure if this will miss the mark if things go back to normal, you know, having a Zoom call type thing. 
So yeah. I feel like it's a time period piece that you, if you want to capitalize on a part two, they they need to really be in development or even thinking about it going forward. Um, I would really like to see Salem come back and maybe a set of kids that are like, did this really happen? There can't be anything going on here. Like I said, if they had history in Haley's apartment, a new person moves in, that kind of stuff. But I, I think it's definitely a time period piece. And I hope that they actually kind of capitalize on it. Uh, they did fantastic in 12 weeks. And I'm pretty sure this team, knowing what they can do now, could probably push the limits of doing a second one. I agree. That being said, uh, that was our review of Host. We, we highly recommend it. Wonderful movie. I think everyone should check out, especially if you've never seen it before. We, you know, It's definitely one you're going to want to visit. The group unanimously gives it four lit seance candles out of five. And we hope you've all enjoyed this. Come back and join us on the next episode where we're going to be reviewing 13 Ghost, which is one of my personal favorites. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to this one. I haven't seen it in a while, but it's a movie that I've seen several times that I would like to revisit kind of as an older adult. So I'm going to see if it still gives me the same types of gross feelings in some scenes. <laughs> disturbing imagery <laughs> such a good movie though so looking forward to it guys it's kind of crazy because this film that the 13 ghosts directed by steve beck it was released in october of 2001 and the last time i probably saw this film i was probably in eighth grade going back 18 years ago was probably the when i first saw this film and the last time i seen it so it's definitely gonna be completely interesting to see through the eyes of a 32-year-old educator now as a grown man how this film makes me feel a lot different than when I first saw it as a 14-year-old boy. That's what I'm wondering, too. I haven't seen this movie in quite a while. I've seen it you know, a few times over the years, but I don't think I've seen it in recent years. So it's going to be interesting to see if it still has the magic that it had from the, the first time and the other times I revisited or... If I may find stuff I didn't like about it and may end up not liking it as much as I thought. I, I would definitely say to that, like for me, I don't re- I remember the whole concept of the film. I remember uh, Tony Shalhoub being in it as well as Matthew Lillard. I don't really remember anybody else in the film. I, I remember the concept of the house, but that's it. So for me, this is almost like watching a brand new film as it could possibly get. Because basically oh, yeah. the only thing I'm able to get out of what I remember is a, the equivalent of a trailer. Well, everyone, we hope you've enjoyed our review of Host, and we hope you check it out. And we look forward to being back with you next episode as we review 13 Ghosts. With that, we just want to repeat what our friend Cece from Scream Queens podcast says. Everybody, make sure you wear a mask so we can save Halloween, but we don't want to lose Halloween. And everyone, as always, stay creepy. And with that, we uh, bid you adieu. Goodbye and good night. Bye. 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 <laughs>